0: Tonight we're going to take a look at the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. And if you'd like to borrow one of ours, we have Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. And it's going to be on page 1090 as we read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Here now, God's holy and true word from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. that had been told them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered together tonight to praise you and to worship you and to thank you, that you would send your son, your one and only son, our Lord Jesus, that you would send him to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death and to trade places with us. Father, we give you thanks and praise. And we ask, Holy Spirit, now would you be with us as we celebrate the beauty and majesty and glory of Jesus. The reality that the Son of God became man to save us, to be our King, to be our Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been in this Advent series entitled Good News of Great Joy now for a month, and we've been talking about all the different ways that there's good news, even in the stories that lead up to the birth story, which we read tonight. And as we read this passage about the birth of Jesus, it's such a familiar passage, such a wonderful, beautiful passage and picture of the birth of our King It's amazing what jumped out at me when I was looking at this passage recently was the responses. There's three responses in this passage that are so powerful. If you look in verse 18, you see that it says all that all the people that heard what the shepherds had to say, what they'd heard from the angels, they wondered, meaning that they were filled with wonder. They were amazed. Their minds were blown by what they had heard from the angels. And Mary, it says in verse 19, that she treasured these things up in her heart. Isn't that beautiful? And the shepherds, it says, they went back glorifying and praising God. All because of this news. You see people who are marveling and wondering and amazed. And you see Mary treasuring up these things in her heart. And you see the shepherds glorifying and praising God. That must be some really good news. And it is. And so we're going to be focusing on that good news tonight, primarily what that news is in verse 11, which is what the angels said. They said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. A savior who is Christ the Lord. And if you take that in conjunction with what then the angels, all the heavenly hosts began to say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. You put that all together and you see what this news is, this good news of great joy is that through jesus this child born in a manger through jesus the savior who is christ the lord we have peace amazing beautiful life-changing peace through jesus and so what we're going to do tonight as we talk about the good news the gospel We're going to focus on these three things that the angels say about Jesus. They say he is savior and that he is Christ and that he is the Lord. We're going to look at each one of these tonight. Let's start with savior. What does it mean that Jesus is our savior? And simply put, it means this, that as savior, Jesus sets us free from the penalty of sin so that we can have peace with God. Something only he can do. You and I cannot reconcile ourselves to God. You and I cannot make things right between us and God. We need a savior. That word savior in Greek is so tear. It means savior or deliverer or preserver. We see it a number of times in the Old Testament. Mostly referring to God himself. Sometimes to people that God has sent to deliver his people from their enemies. We see it in the New Testament two dozen times. One third of those times it's referring to God and the other two thirds it's referring to Jesus himself. Like 1 John 4, 14. John writes, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. In fact, Jesus' name means that God saves. His name means Yahweh saves. Which is a translation of God saves. He delivers And so, therefore, in Matthew 121, we see that the angel told Joseph, when you name this child, you name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that is what we all desperately need. We need to be delivered. We need to be saved from the penalty of our sins. We cannot do it ourselves. We are by nature at war with God because of the fall of mankind. We need to be saved. We need to be delivered in order to be at peace And that's the beauty of Christ as Savior. He saves us. Through faith we are delivered. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Paul says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the peace that we long for, to be rid of our guilt and rid of our shame, something we could never do on our own, is done, was done. By our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And therefore, faith in him results in true, lasting peace with God. We need a savior. Almost six years ago, there were some people on an airplane who needed someone to save them. You may remember the name Sully Sullenberger. Uh, This was uh, about six years ago, on January 15th, 2009... U.S. Airways flight 1549 took off from New York LaGuardia Airport at 3.25 p.m. And two minutes after they began to take off, a flock of birds flew right in front of this jet airplane. And all of a sudden, everyone on board started hearing thump, thump, thump. And then uh, they started to smell the putrid smell of burning bird. That's what happens when they get sucked into an airplane engine. Normally, this is not that big a deal. Planes hit birds all the time. But in this case, uh, at 3,200 feet in the air, both engines suddenly went out. And this plane is just coasting through the air with absolutely no power whatsoever and 150 passengers aboard who are totally helpless. And there was no time to glide back to LaGuardia or to hopefully glide to another airport. There wasn't any time for that. And up to this point... First officer, Jeffrey Skillis, had been uh, at the controls. And that was at the point when Sully grabbed the controls and he said, my airplane. And Skillis looked at him and said, your airplane? And he said, my airplane. In other words, I'm the only one who can do this. I'm the only one who can get us through this. And so Sullenberger radioed the tower back at LaGuardia and said that they were going to have to try to land on the Hudson River. Everybody at the tower knew this was really bad news because it had never been done. An airplane of this size had never been able to had never been able to successfully land on the water without any engine help. This was going to have to be an absolutely perfect landing. This is the only way it would work is if it was absolutely flawless if the nose was too low, if the wings weren 't level, they could catch into the water and send the plane tumbling and everybody was sure to die it had to be absolutely perfect but Sully grabbed that control and said my airplane at 329 all the passengers were well aware that something was desperately wrong and so captain Sullenberger addressed them over the intercom what did he say please put your seatbacks and tray tables in their upright and locked position no no he said brace For impact, everybody, brace for impact. And at 3.30 p.m., U.S. Airways Flight 1549, miraculously, they call it the Miracle on the Hudson, miraculously glided to a safe land on the Hudson River and everybody lived. And In fact, later, reporters would say that based on his skills and his abilities and his experience, Sullenberger was probably the only person on the planet who could have pulled that off. All 150 people on that plane were absolutely helpless. They could not save themselves. They needed a savior, and God had provided Sullenberger. And you and I are exactly in the same boat or plane, if you will. When it comes to our sin, we are absolutely helpless to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do. We can't earn forgiveness. We can't make up for what we've done. The only way that you and I can be at peace with God is through faith in Christ The one that God sent to save us from our sins. And if we have chosen or if we do choose to believe that Jesus has paid our debt on the cross. Then we have peace with God. We are forgiven. We are declared righteous. Freedom from the penalty of sin results in peace with God. Have you received him as your savior? Have you repented of your sin and trusted him? To do what you can to save you. He is our savior. He's also Christ. What does it mean that Jesus is Christ? Here's what it means. That he's a king. And as king, he sets us free from the power of sin. So that we can be at peace with one another. Jesus as king sets us free from the power of sin. So that we can be at peace with one another. The Greek word Christos, which we say Christ, it's actually the direct translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one, chosen one. All through the Old Testament, we see this this title, this Messiah talking about God's chosen king, the people that God has chosen to rule over his people. And then we get to the New Testament. Do you know, do you know how many times we see the word Christ in the New Testament? Only five hundred and thirty four times. And every single time, referring to Jesus, the Christ. And as the Christ, he is the king. He is God's chosen and anointed king to rule over his people, to rule over all things. And as God's chosen king, those who he rules over through the power of the Holy Spirit, he delivers us from the power of sin and he makes us capable of loving one another and being at peace with one another. Being beacons of love and grace for one another. Recently read a story about a very interesting football game. Rick Riley uh, is a um, columnist for ESPN. And he wrote about this interesting game. It was the Lions versus the Tornadoes. The Faith Christian School Lions from Grapevine, Texas against the Gainesville Tornadoes. Gainesville, Texas, not Gainesville, Florida. It was, uh, when it was scheduled, everybody knew it wasn't going to be the best game because the Lions were 7-2, uh, and two, had a great winning record, and the Tornadoes were 0-8. and eight. And they had actually only scored two touchdowns all season. The Lions had 70 players, 11 coaches, and brand new equipment. And the Tornadoes had 14 players, which means that most of them played offense and defense. They had one coach, and... The newest equipment they had was seven years old. There was literally no chance for the Tornadoes to win. And to make it worse, the Tornadoes had no fans. Nobody ever went to a Tornadoes game. So as the game was approaching and the weeks approaching, um, the Lions coach, Chris Hogan, the coach at Faith Christian, he saw this as an opportunity to show this team, the tornadoes, the love and grace of God. And so Hogan started emailing people and recruiting people to sit on the other side at that game and to root for and cheer for the tornadoes instead of uh, cheering for the Lions. And when the night came, 200 people... Friends and family of the lions were sitting on the other side, cheering on the tornadoes. In fact, when the tornadoes arrived, they saw a huge sign that said, Go Tornadoes! And a big paper sign that they were able to run through when they came onto the field. They saw cheerleaders. There were cheerleaders there cheering for the tornadoes. And all the fans in the stands were cheering for the tornadoes by name. There's only 14 of them. They memorized their names and they cheered for them, something they had never heard. Now, at one point uh, in an interview, a young man named Isaiah, who was the quarterback on offense and linebacker on defense for the Tornadoes, he said, I never in my life thought I'd hear people cheering for us to hit their kids, (laughs) but they wanted us to. And in the end, of course, not a surprise, the Lions won. It was 33-14. But nonetheless, it was the best night in every life of the tornadoes. Riley talks about how it was at the end of the game that everything began to come into picture. The picture began to be clear because at the end of the game, 12 uniformed officers came onto the field and put each of the tornadoes into handcuffs and escorted them back to their bus the Gainesville tornadoes were all inmates at the Gainesville Maximum Security Juvenile Corrections Facility north of Dallas. Each of the tornadoes had grown up in broken homes. They all had convictions for drugs or assault or robbery. They had all been basically disowned by their parents long ago. None of them had ever, ever been loved like they were that night. And before The tornadoes left. The two teams came together to pray. And Isaiah. Asked if he could pray. And his prayer was simple. He said Lord. I don't know how this happened. So I don't know how to say thank you. But I never would have known. There were so many people in the world. That cared about us. And as they boarded the bus. The. uh, Coach of the tornadoes ran to Chris Hogan, the coach of the Lions, and he said, you'll never know what your people did for these kids. You'll never, ever really know. And as the boys got on the bus, they were given a burger and fries and a Bible and a letter from one of the tornadoes, and it changed every one of their lives. Jesus, as King, rules in our hearts, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enabling us to fight against our sin, which means we're able to love one another. We're able to be at peace with people, even people who seem unlovable. God, through Christ, rules in our hearts and enables us to do amazing things. Have you made him your king? Have you made him your king? Is he ruling in your Heart. Lastly, He is Lord. He is Savior. He is Christ and He is Lord. And as Lord, Jesus will set us free from the very presence of sin, and there will be peace on earth amazing beyond our comprehension peace on earth as lord jesus will set us free from the presence of sin and there will be peace on earth the greek word for lord here is kurios it means it means owner or possessor or controller or master It refers to the one who has the power of deciding what happens to something or to someone. The word Lord appears in the Old Testament 6,000 times referring to God. And in the New Testament 600 times referring mostly to Jesus. As Lord, as God, Jesus is the owner and possessor and controller and master of the world. He has the power to decide what happens. And the scriptures tell us that he has promised that what's going to happen is when he has gathered in all the people he came to save, he will return. And when he returns, he will bring peace, perfect, permanent peace on earth, which is so hard to imagine right now you think about all the things that we where we see that there is no peace you know the the tragedy in ferguson the tragedies in new york city isis and their terrorism even north korea and their terrorism all these things that we see when we look around even watching the evening news we do not see peace and so it's hard it's hard to believe that yes indeed one day When Jesus does return to make all things new, there will be peace. And by the way, the peace that the scriptures talk about is not peace where people just kind of leave each other alone. It's an incredible peace. It's a type of peace where everything is as it should be. Where everything is as it should be. We don't get to see that type of peace very often. And so it's hard to imagine that it will come, but it will. He has promised. One of the things that's very interesting about tonight is that tonight is the 100th anniversary of one of the most amazing events in the history of the world. Some of you may have heard of the Christmas Truce. On Christmas Eve, 100 years ago, in 1914, the Christmas truce took place. Basically what happened was it was during World War I and the uh, Germans and the British were on a certain front and they were, they had been fighting against each other for weeks, shooting at each other, trying to kill each other. There were plenty of people dying and being taken away. And then Christmas Eve came. And on Christmas Eve, when the sun had set and it began to be kind of dim, something absolutely amazing happened. All of a sudden, the British troops began to hear what they thought was singing. And it was. The German troops in their trenches were singing Silent Night. And although they were singing in German, the British could tell. They could recognize the tune. And pretty soon, after they finished singing Silent Night, they started to sing, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And the British joined in from their trenches. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. And as they sang, they started to peek their heads up above and wave at each other. and They started shouting, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. And they got a little more courageous and they started to say, you know, come over here and, and we'll come over there. We won't shoot you. And eventually they did. They started to come out of their trenches one by one. Oh, come, let us adore him. And one by one they came out and they, they came together in the middle of this field. Oh, come, let us adore him. And they spent the rest of Christmas Eve singing Christmas carols together and playing games. They even there's rumored there's pictures that they even played a soccer game. They were having fun. They were laughing. They were acting like they were friends. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. What an amazing, beautiful, powerful picture of these sworn enemies. Suddenly, because of this Christ, because of the Savior, this Christ, This Lord, standing together, singing and laughing, even exchanging addresses so that they could be pen pals after the war. It was brief. A day or so later, they began to pick up their weapons and shoot again. But for that moment, there was peace. Amazing, life-changing life changing Peace. And that's what's coming. That's what Jesus has promised as Lord, as Master and Owner and Controller of all things. He has promised that when He returns, He will bring peace on earth for all who have trusted in Him, and everything will be as it should be. Everything sad will come untrue. War will turn to peace, crying to laughter, sorrow to joy forever. That's Jesus. He is Savior. He is Christ, the King. He is the Lord. Have you received him as your Savior and your King and your Lord? If not, you must repent of your sins, turn to him and trust him tonight. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, as your King, and as your Lord. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate and rejoice and praise your holy name for Jesus. Jesus, we trust you. We receive you as our Savior. You are our King. You are our Lord. Would you make this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day what it is supposed to be, all about you. Reign in our hearts and keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And let us not forget that you will come back to make all things new, to bring the ultimate peace. It is in your name we pray. Amen.